Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello, it's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Currently now, it is 4.31 on Thursday afternoon as we record this podcast. Normally, I don't ever feel the need to time check when doing a podcast, but when it's transfer deadline day, every second counts. And Jesus, you should work for Sky Sports. Honestly, it's written in Sky Sports Sammy. Here we Sky go. Sky Sports Sammy. Uh, with days to go until the Premier League campaign starts and minutes until the transfer window slams shut. Uh, it feels completely mad around SW6 at the moment. Uh, but a bit like Kevin McDonald, I've got two men here who love to separate the facts from the fiction. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Don Betts. Is hello, hello. Well. How are we doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Tension. So, as you can understand, we don't know exactly what transfers are going to come out. We're seeing all the rumours. Uh, if anything happens to break whilst we're recording this podcast, we'll react to it live. Um, it's all madness, but we thought it was more fun to do things this way um, than to bring you a pod later when we kind of know exactly what's finalised. You can live and experience it with us. Yeah, live and direct. So, I mean, it's been a bit of a mad day so far. We, we, we did sign... Callum Chambers, that's all done, but we kind of discussed that on Monday, so I don't yeah. think we need to waste any time on, on Chambers. Great signing, great to have him here. Looking forward to seeing him uh, in the centre of our defence this season, no doubt quite a lot. So the current rumours, which are looking very, very promising. The first one, Joe Bryan, Bristol City. That seems that seems very likely. Anguissa from Marseille has been touted. Sergio Rico, uh, the severe goalkeeper. Looks like it's on the cars. There's a few more Jack doing the round as well. Vieto. Yeah, Vieto. Tom Timothy Fosu Mensa has just added to the list, literally live and direct. This is this is how it's gonna be. This is how it's gonna be. We're gonna be breaking them as they come. Interestingly, actually breaking, uh, Bristol City have just signed Jada Silva, which suggests that they are very much comfortable that Joe Bryan has left the club. I mean, let's start with Joe Bryan. This is an incredible story. If if rumours are to be believed, he had even done the photos at Villa everything was set to go and then he gets a late call up from from SWC and, he, and he's straight in his car yeah I just want to really want, I just have videoing like Steve Bruce slash Mr Blobby driving down Joe Bryan down what the A40 or whatever what the M40 whatever it is the M40 yeah yeah not the A40 that'd take a long while wouldn't it um, no Joe Bryan obviously we've seen him over the last three or four years in the championship we know you know what we get of him he's not necessarily your most defensive able left back but he's brilliant going forward he can whip a brilliant ball into the box and when we have Mitrovic Scherler Session up front that's sort of the wing back we're going to want to need and for, if you're looking at a fee that's being touted for Matt Target let's say which is 15-20 million pounds and then you're going to get Joe Brown for 6 million pounds I think there's a lot better value for money there because I think Yes, we know we get him at target, but if it, uh, is, can you really be spending 15, 20 million on him? I don't know. If we look how much we've spent already, I know uh, I am sort of looking at f- financial fair play here because although you, there is a lot of TV money, I think you still do have to be wary of that. And I think Joe Brown, £6 million, really is great value because I thought Bristol City would be asking for at least 10 for him. Um, Jack, if money was no object, who would you prefer as left back, Joe Bryan or Matty Target? So I think you've got to think about this in two different ways, right? One of those ways is that on Saturday, we need a left back. As in, otherwise Sess is going to play there and no one really wants Sess playing there. 
yeah, on Saturday. So in that regard, you probably want someone who knows the system already, knows exactly how they'd slot into the system, and and it's good to go. And that player is match target. But on a, another level, and if money was no object, I still think I'd take Joe Bryan. I, I said I was saying to my Villa friends this week that they'd picked up a really, really Premier League quality left back in the Championship. I, I think he was probably the best left back in the Championship last year, aside from maybe Barry Douglas. Yeah. But you know, you look at those kind of players, and I, I always said, you know, he, he's probably going to. You know, you remember his performance against Man United in the Cup and against City, where he was brilliant, and. You're like, look, he looks comfortable playing against these top quality players, and I, I think it will only be a matter of time before he gets that move. And you know, while Target was brilliant for us, you know, there were moments where his you know, defensive work was a little bit suspect. There were moments where his final ball wasn't brilliant. Uh, and I think that with Brian, we're, we're kind of vaguely getting a, a tad of an upgrade for less money, and you know, a player that we can really help to grow within the system. Uh, will he be as much of a cultural icon as the first Brian? Well, not for me. That, I, I always remember that game we won at Brighton away. I've never seen a midfielder control a game better. <laughs> a man has a cultured left foot, though, as well. He does indeed. I can't wait for him to just be chipping goalkeepers from left, right and centre. Just just waiting for it. Brian Ruiz loved to chip. He, he didn't score anything that weren't a chip or a scoop, to be honest. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the second rumour, which I think, for me, has the biggest cause for debate. And it's Sergio Rico. Now... This is a keeper we all know about. He's played over 100 times for Sevilla. This is a keeper with serious, serious pedigree, and it looks like Fulham are trying to bring him on loan for the season. Now, we'd already signed Fabry, and there was a bit of a debate at the time as to you know who will start. Will it be Fabry and Bettinelli? And I think we've pretty conclusively proved that it's probably going to be Fabry, and I think that, for the most part, people were kind of on board with the fact that it would be Fabry starting and then Betts on the bench. But if Sergio Rico joins, A, where does that leave Fabri? And B, more importantly for me, where does that leave Betts? This is, this is nuts. This is not someone that, uh, an area that I was expecting to strengthen today, Dom. Well, to be fair, I will explain that on the Love Sport fan show last night that I can see Slav actually may have seen Fabri and thinks he's an absolute pony and that like, we need a good goalkeeper. Yeah. I can see Slav doing that. He, he's clearly not, he could have clearly not been impressed with Fabri in in pre-season things well we need a top class goalkeeper for this winner wins and we maybe can't buy someone we're going to get someone with great pedigree in La Liga such like as like Rafa Schwarz example basically clearly but, we signed someone and Slav went nah you're not I, you know, I don't, don't think it's beyond the realm's possibility no. but but you have seen Bettinelli being linked away from the club today to loan move to a QPR but I think everyone says well, Bettinelli should be given a chance in the Premier League there is that argument but there's also the argument do we have the time to give someone a chance I think we, we do. absolutely don't. But but well, it's not like this is some you know charity case here. This is someone that was top class for us in the championship last season. I would much rather see Betts. Okay, if if he can't be number one, he can't be number one. I realise that we need to be bringing in top quality signings, but I think that Bet- Bettinelli has the potential to be a Premier League goalkeeper. I can name you one time where I think Marcus Bettinelli won us points last season. One. And that was Leeds at home, where he made that save and then we went down the other end and scored. I can't deny he also made countless other saves, points or not. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That You need a keeper that's going to win you points in the Premier League and I- I'm not convinced that Marcus Bernelli is that keeper. I, I think... Millwall? He kept us in the game early doors? I think Tim Ream kept us in the game early <laughs> yeah, doors. I would, I would agree with Dom on that one, I'm afraid. 
I, I, look, I don't think he's a bad keeper, but I also don't think he's ready for the Premier League yet. I actually think that, you know, much it kind of pains me to say this, you know, obviously he's a you know, Fulham boy through and through. I think he could do with a loan to somewhere like QPR where he'd spend a year being kind of peppered. Because, you know, actually we didn't concede that many shots on goal towards the end of last year. There wasn't actually that many, you know, moments where we were like, oh, you know, yes, the defence looked more assured with him behind it than Button. I, I, can, I completely agree with that. And I don't think it's a massive coincidence that we went on two excellent runs and had turns of form after he came back into the team. I think he is a good championship goalkeeper, but I don't think he was top four or five in the championship. What, so you think he almost needs the Pickford effect of just playing for an utterly terrible team? Almost, yeah. I think he could do with going there, you know, and being really tested. And and I think that if he bounces back from that kind of, that kind of, you know, experience and he does well there uh, and sort of makes his mark, then I think that that's a step up to, you know, then you can be like, right, he is ready to, to really make the step up to being number one. Especially if Rico is, as they're touting, a year-long loan with no option to buy. A year, a year loan for Bettinelli in the championship to really show his pedigree and prove his worth. I don't think that's a bad thing. He'll be gutted though. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Yeah, do I feel sorry for him? Yes, but would I put would I put him in net on Saturday? Absolutely not. If we sign Sergio Rico, he doesn't know. I wouldn't start. I mean, even like Fabri. What I've seen in preseason, yes, he hasn't looked amazing, but like there's there is set, there's set amount of value. I get that, but then there's also you want to stay in the league. Like there's when you want to get three points, yes, he's he's Fulham lad through and through. I get that he lives on. I don't know if he still does, but he did live on the Palace Road. Like as as much as I'd love, I'd love to see him do. It, I know he won't do well, and I think Championship is his level. I, I think there's a potential for growth. I think he can be a Premier League yeah, keeper, still, but I yeah. do not think he's that keeper yet. Um, but surely Sergio Rico is not going to be moving to Fulham on loan for a season to be number two. Well, I think he might. You know, I think he might end up being that, uh, and I think that you know he's going to be number two at. Severe this year, potentially number three. They didn't have a very good season. He didn't have a very good season last year, and they brought in two different, keep- definitely one, potentially two um, keepers. So he's obviously, you know, fallen down the pecking order there. I think if he goes on loan, he loses the kind of he had a particularly poor season last year and cost them points at, po- at, at times. And I think that he gets the monkey off his back in that regard, moving somewhere else. And if he can then force his way into a first team setup, which he obviously believes he has the talent to do then, you know, that's a big plus for him and he can go back to Sevilla and be like, look, I smashed it in the Premier League. You know, what do you think of me now, basically, kind of kind of vibes. OK, moving on in the transfers. Just double-checking, we haven't signed anyone in the 10 minutes no, of this podcast. Fulham Twitter so does have people on absolute strings, though, just doing an in-case-you-missed-it thing to some... We're now taking car payments across the ground. Oh, they need they need to stop with this. They just, they, they just have the... Completely fa- on board. Yeah, I'm on board. They have the fan base on absolute strings. Yeah, it is really fun. It's really fun. I've also just come across that I made it into the Fulham promotion book, which oh, I didn't nice. buy, the picture book I didn't buy. Me and pre-season in Poland made it into the promotion picture book. That's cool. Yeah. Well done, Dom. So you're on people's coffee tables across across the world? Uh, yeah, the uh, night I got about two hours sleep because I got in about four in the morning and then went out back out about... No, no I definitely didn't get it if I got in at like eight in the morning. Was that the night you spent in the drunk tank? No, it was the night after. Oh, right, okay. I was going to say, that would have been a hell of a story for people's coffee tables. <laughs> this is Dom. He spent a night in the drunk tank on our pre-season friendly tour. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, quickly, this is one that's died down during the day, but still maybe has some legs. Uh, Andre Frank, Zambo and Guisa uh, from Marseille for a rumoured 25 to £30 million. Pounds. He's a CDM and on the face of it seemed like a good signing, but uh, some intel that we've got from various French sources... Uh, not very complimentary of what he might bring to this Fulham team. Uh, I spoke to JS, uh, as you may have heard, on Monday's pod, and he's a Marseille fan. 
And he was like, me and all my Marseille fans are delighted if we get 25 to 30 million for him, saying, uh, for a player who doesn't know how to make a pass, who's totally bad in positioning, who doesn't think on the pitch, but he is a powerful player. So it's uh, promising words there from my French source. Yeah, I spoke to Jerry Smith from Get, Get French Football. He says he's a little bit accident prone, but I think a little underrated. Works hard and head never jots when lots around him to do. Not really regular Premier League starter quality, but I think very good player to have in the squad. However, twenty-five to thirty million pounds—the price has been reported—is ridiculously right. But his name does fit, fit into living La Vida Loca, so that there's swings and roundabouts. Yes, I think Andre Frank Zambo angry, sir. There you go. There it is. I, I spoke to Peter Rutzler from Get French Football as well, and I've actually got a Q and A with him coming on the website. Should Zamba sign? Okay. So that's that's exciting. He says. He's exceptionally strong and quick, and this made him an outstanding foil for Marseille during what was an impressive season. Coupled with an ability to retain and recycle possession from deep, he was quite assured in Ligue 1 last year. He's kind of, you know, a box-to-box midfielder, but he operates best in defence. Um, and he, you know, he played second most games for Marseille last year behind Luis Gustavo, who had a massive season. He was Player of the Year. But what they said, what Peter said, is that. Gustavo was given so much more freedom to play higher up the pitch because Anguissa played behind him. He said he's not the, pack- the finished package by any means yet, but if he fills a role that desperately needs filling, then it's probably a good signing, and if he- they have the time to mould him, he could be one hell of a stealer. Well, you've got to remember, he's only, he's only 22. He is indeed. He's also made 11 international and like, I was, Marseille really impressed me last season. I know in, in the end it didn't actually turn out to be the best of seasons because they missed out on the Champions League and then they lost or got battered in the Europa League final by Atletico Madrid. But yeah, he, he was he was a critical part to the Rudy Garcia system last season from what, what, what I watched in Liga and in Europa League. So he would be a good signing, but I, just, I, just, I think you can be spending £25-30 million pounds on better. Mm-hmm. I think we said we said probably going into today that left back was the priority, and then if we could possibly get a hold of midfielder and a forward, then great. Um, Luciano Vietto. This is another one that uh, seems likely. We've seen various uh, sources um, from Spain uh, suggesting that he might be moving to SW6. Argentinian striker, 24 years of age, currently plays for Atleti. Um, I personally don't know a huge amount about Vieto apart from I knew he was a striker at Atletico I mean if if Font does move to Olympiacos as has been rumoured or then... Reading Reading would come in with a bid what? Reading have put a loan bid in for Roy um, man like okay with uh, an option to buy at the end of it well we look at Luciano Vieto and obviously he sort of his, his career in Spain started at Racing Santander under Simeone actually Indeed. and then he he moved to Villarreal where he had this phenomenal season maybe I think three seasons he was so. unreal he scored what 20, he scored 20 in like 35-40 games phenomenal then he got his move to Atletico Madrid to, to link back up with Simeone and then he sort it just sort of hasn't worked out but I mean when you have had the likes of Costa and, Gris- and Griezmann who have been ahead of you then it's, it's obviously going gonna, gonna to be a tough one I think it just hasn't worked out for him, but it could be coming because obviously Nikola Kalinic has now moved to, yeah, to, to, to Atletico Madrid. That's a done deal. So they brought another striker in, so they're probably going to be looking to put a striker out, and that probably is going to be uh, Luciano Vieto. So I think it's, it, we do need backup up front because as much as we love Kamara, he's not going to be, for us, if he's going to play, I think I can see him be more of a wide player than someone playing through the middle. And I think Vieto would be a decent signing to bring in online. I don't really see anything wrong with it, to be honest. I think it's a clever bit of business. You know, you know that Villarreal season, I remember him being absolutely unplayable at points. And he's quick. He's, he's not 
you know, potentially the Slav striker, I suppose, that you, you're kind of imagining when you think of it. He's small and quick, mm-hmm. uh, but he used to be deadly. And I think that if we can get him firing the way he did that season, then this could be a hell of a pickup. Okay, sounds uh, promising. Is there anyone else we need to bring to the table? Oh, potentially uh, Fossu Mensa, which has come out of nowhere. Yeah, Timothy Fossu Mensa has sort of come out of the woodwork in the last sort of hour or so. I mean, when he was at Palace last year, he never really had a certain position. He was sort of getting played all over the back line. Obviously, we see him as a right back, but he's played centre back. He's played holding midfield. So, yes, it's a very nice squad player to have because in the Premier League, it's nice to have these versatile players in the squad. But I don't know, Timothy Timothy Fossu Mensa, I'd take him, but I don't necessarily think it's a player we need. Well, his brother, Alphonse Fosimensa, moved to Clandudno yesterday, so clearly there's lots of movement in the family. Well, I mean, look, he did well at Crystal Palace last year, and in, you know, especially if there weren't a particularly good team when Roy took over, and, and he did quite well. So I think it's an all right little pickup. I have no qualms with that one. Uh, it's kind of, it's a bit meh for me. I, I don't really care if, the, if Timothy Fosimensa signs or not, if I'm perfectly honest with you, but, you know, bodies on board, and we need his squad depth, so... The more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. TK's not messing around though, is he? There is lots going on and and it's an exciting day to be a Fulham fan. I thought most of our deals would have been done. I knew that we were going to be looking for a left back and I kind of had an inkling that we might just look to bring in one more. But it seems that Fulham have lots of hands in lots of pies. Our transfer dealings seem quite open, as in like... This I don't know if that's maybe a change in policy, but recently there's been a complete clampdown in Fulham signings. Quite often you would not have a single thing about a signing before it was on the club website. Whereas these days, I don't know, are we leaking more to the press? Uh, is it just harder to keep things under wraps when we're trying to target so many different people at once? I, I don't know. It seems more open than normal. I think it is. Uh, I think it's just the fact that we've actually, since we've been in the Premier League, things have changed you know there are people really really keeping on you know every single like bit of 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 the internet that they know exactly you know there are people now whereas four years ago no one would have been sat on spanish twitter thinking looking for luciano vieto rumors but now they are you know those things are harder to keep under wraps and especially in the premier league with widened interest in you and and you know you're looking at bigger players who more people care about you know you're gonna you're gonna naturally have more interest in it. I don't think it. Maybe we're not as secretive as we were. Maybe we've just it's not opened up and started talking to the press. But maybe you know with a bigger team at Fulham and considering we're going across continents here, to, you know, trying to get these dealings done. Yeah. You know, I imagine that there is maybe something, you know, in that that makes it basically, you know, obvious to that more things are going to get leaked. But I think it honestly is just to change the system more than more than ever now. Transfers get found out. You know, we know everything that's going to happen today. They're, you know, not a Fulham necessary, but you know, all the big deals that are going to be done on deadline day, we've known about. Nothing is nothing's coming out of the blue. That you know, it's just out of nowhere. So I think it's probably mostly that. Well, it's gone five o'clock now. the The deadline has passed. Fulham have made no official transfers, but apparently. They can until seven pm. I think you got until seven pm to finalise any paperwork for any permanent signings tonight. Okay, well we've gone through all of the potential. Sky signings. Sports have just have said that Anguis is done. Okay, so Anguis is looking likely. It would be a surprise if any new names that we haven't discussed come through. So I guess we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Yeah, I think we're probably. I think we'll see four, maybe five signings come in in the next couple of hours. 
All right, well, up next, we're going to move away from the transfers a little bit and discuss our opponents on Saturday, Crystal Palace. Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon, and when I'm not winding up Reading fans, I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Don Betts. Hello, hello. And Jack Collins. Hello. So we've kind of dissected the transfer madness uh, which is going on currently. We do need to have a little bit of a look ahead to Saturday's game uh, against Palace at Craven Cottage. It's our first game back in the Premier League. It's amazing that uh, with all the transfers going on right now that it seems quite down, uh, low down the priority order uh, for things that we need to focus on today. But it is around the corner. So uh, uh, let's have a little bit of a chat about Palace now. I must admit I was reasonably pleased to see Palace come out as the first game uh, from the fixtures computer at Craven Cottage. I thought it was a good opportunity for us to get three points on the board. Not simple. I don't think any Premier League game uh, is simple this season, but uh, it's definitely an opportunity for us to get a few points on the board. Uh, And Dom, I think Palace overall have had a fairly positive sum. The main reason, uh, as they've kept hold of Zaha, which was obviously their number one priority kind of going into the window. Well, yeah, you you saw the way they played. It was sort of whenever Zaha scored, they won. Uh, and obviously, it, you know, another thing is I keep Zaha was making sure Sacco and Tompkins had a good pre-season because whenever they partner each other, guys at centre back, they do really well as well. So yeah, they've had a good sign. They've obviously improved by signing Sheku Kiate from West Ham, bringing Max Meyer in from uh, Schalke, and obviously you had Vicente Cueta in from Getafe. So they've had a very, they've had a okay summer transfer. They weren't really looking to improve on their squad. They don't necessarily have the finances for that. But as you said, it was just keeping Zaha, and they've done that. And obviously, it's, it's just obviously sort of written in the stars that our first game back in the Premier League is going to be against Roy Hodgson, who's coming back to Cram Cottage, I think, for only the second time as being a manager. Is it not I, the first time? Pre- was it, did he come back as West Brom? I don't yeah, I think he did. Did he? I, th- okay. I think he came back as West Brom. And obviously, yeah, our last game against them was, and obviously Fulham released that weird Premier League production video on the website, talking to Chris David, one of the only players to only play once in a Premier League and score. But yeah, I saw it, it, it is a it is a nice game to have first up, but it's also you can look at it as like you maybe would want a big team first because then you don't want like you're not a nailed on home win, but you'd like your three point bankers maybe to be in the middle of the season. Okay, yeah, that's that's one way of looking at it. Do you, are you saying that there's actually a bit of pressure? On, yeah, on, on because Saturday this is game. a game. If it, if it was in November, you're thinking, oh, we have to win this game. Whereas now it's opening game of the season. Then was like, oh, it's opening game of the season. What are we expecting? I think. But then, yeah, I mean, it's the Premier League, so we've got to be looking pretty much nearly every home game against a team not in the top six that we need to win because we saw when we were in the Premier League last time that our home record was so critical to us staying up. Yeah, exactly. Jack, I think it's very winnable from Fulham's point of view and hopefully that momentum of us being the promoted team, uh, it will be a good atmosphere on Saturday, should give an advantage to us. Yeah, of course. And, and also, it's not any disrespect to, to say that this is a game that Fulham should be looking to win. It's, you know, there's a lot of people saying online that uh, that fans are basically com- overconfident about about the season and about this Palace game and I don't think it's like that I think it's you know one of those things where Fulham will look at this game as a as a three-point banker and if and like Dom said if you if it was in November we'd all be expecting to you know or very much hoping to win this game these are the games you need to get points out of so yes it's nice in that regard that it's a game that we should be able to be competitive in, I suppose, is the kind of the term you'd look for rather than, you know, you start away at Man City. Yes, there's no pressure, but also you get off to a bad start and suddenly, you know, you're already into a into a dangerous cycle. We've got an, a start which has winnable games in it, which basically means that if we're not getting points out of those games early on, we could be in trouble. So, you know, it goes both ways. But yeah, I, I feel like Palace is a game we can win. I was, you know, kind of hoping that Zaha might 
you know vanish yes. for for this weekend but also you know from a point of view that the top six just try and bite everyone and anyone is quite nice that palace have kept hold of their star man and it's kind of i suppose for us having session still and and using them as a kind of example that you can keep these players and you can hold on to them if you keep them happy exactly now roy returning will be i think emotional i i love roy and i think that there's been no secret about that from myself and i think lots of fans uh, feel the same way and we know his strengths and i guess that will be a problem uh, for fulham on saturday because he sets up a very organized side uh, and it's going to be difficult for fulham to break them down with new members of the team trying to gel getting through that palace defense will be tricky whenever sacco and tompkins are playing together they're formidable basically yeah i mean the two quality centre backs. I, I was always surprised that sacco never really made it at liverpool because i always thought he was good same with tompkins at west ham i was very surprised when he left to go to crystal palace so i think it, yeah it's just me breaking down the defense because they're not going to be exact they're going to set up in a rigid sort of hodgson formation where you know they're going to be very very strong at the back so it's not going to be a problem with having time on the ball as such is can we break them down quick enough we, I think as, as, we, as we said pretty much every podcast last season it'd be great to get an early goal yes but it would in this in this sort of game because it, it, it sort of Palace have that quality in the final third to punish you which we didn't necessarily see last season what kind of atmosphere are you expecting because you'd obviously naturally say it's going to be an incredible atmosphere because it's our first game back in the Premier League but then you look at the ticket prices well, yeah. yeah. Like, I think it was, was it 45 quid for a ticket in Hammersmith? Although I do believe every ticket in Hammersmith end is sold out, I believe. I, I think the whole, I think the Hammersmith, Johnny Haynes and Riverside have all sold out. But as far as I'm aware, there's quite a lot of tickets Yeah, I think there's a few going. hundred seats available in the Putney end still. Yeah. Which is a shame. And, it should be and a obviously, uh, Yeah, well, Palace has obviously sold out their allocation. That's for definite. So it will, it will, be, it will pretty much be like a full house. So And obviously we saw what I did it towards the end of last season when we were selling out our home allocations and how much it it pumped the team up to be up for the game. So I think it, it, will, it will be great. I don't know what weather's going to be like because I remember one opening game actually when it comes to bad weather was I think we played Arsenal I think it was like Saturday lunchtime kickoff or something like that and it was absolutely bucking it down was that when David Healy scored in the first no this was a home game so it was I think it was under Martin Yole or someone like that Okay, and I just remember it absolutely bucking it down like August beginning of the season but I think everyone, everyone's going to be looking forward to this because obviously it's been four years out of the Premier League we've had such a uplifting transfer window I mean we, we compare it to when we were in 13-14 we were signing the likes of Fernando Morbieta and Ange Fleury Pumain so yeah. if, I mean Ange Fleury Pumain didn't get enough time yeah sure don't sell Ange Fleury Pumain I just don't think you understand and of course our last game when which is our first in the Premier League uh, I don't think it's going to be a similar occasion to that which was the 3-2 defeat up at Old Trafford where Ruud van Nistelrooy got his first goals yeah it was uh, I think this opening day is going to be where bo- both teams want to make a good start because both teams are sort of renowned for having absolutely terrible starts to the season mm-hmm. Fulham w- apart from possibly the season we lost in the playoff semi-finals that first month that's probably one of the only times I've ever seen a start a season well but then in the second and third month we had exactly dip, but Pal- so. as you see as you see at Palace Palace seem always to lose their manager in the first couple of months yes so Roy Hodgson's going to want to get off to a good start obviously we want to get off to a good start we want Im- to implement ourselves on this league and show we're not here just to make up the numbers as we've shown in the transfer market we're here to make an impression on this league and push for the higher end of the second half of the table 
Well, I would, in normal circumstances, get you to maybe predict the lineup on Saturday, but it seems a little bit nuts uh, and pointless uh, with the transfer window not quite finished yet. So uh, I'll save that for next week, maybe against Spurs. Um, I spoke to Jim Daly of the Five Year Plan podcast yesterday, which is an excellent uh, Palace podcast and fanzine as well. Definitely check it out um, if you have a weird leaning towards Palace or have any friends and family uh, that like Crystal Palace because it is very very good uh started off by asking him if he was happy to be drawn against fulham in the opening match of the season well i'm always wary about playing promoted teams because they have that kind of momentum from the previous season and that they always want to impress on the first day and we did play a promoted team last season first they played huddersfield and they came to sell us and they beat us three nil it was probably one of the worst opening days we've ever had (laughs) um so I mean, to be honest, I think first game of the season is always difficult, really. Everyone wants to get off to a good start and, and, and sort of start the season uh, as, as they mean to go on. And uh, Fulham's always a tr- tricky game for us, I think, actually. I, don't, I can't really think of the last time we even beat Fulham. So I, I, was, I was pleased because I like it as a day out. It's always fun. And I think um, going to Craven Cottage in the sunshine in August would be lovely. But um, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm certainly not counting our chickens yet. Uh, you've had one of those transfer windows where really the main objective is not to uh, sign a particular player, but actually just keep hold of the main one that you've got, Wilfred Zaha. Now, uh, we're recording this around 24 hours before the end of the transfer window. It looks like, though, you're going to hold on to him. And and, and obviously, uh, you didn't record a point last season without him. So uh, it'd be pretty safe to say he's fairly crucial. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say we're a one-man team. But we're a one-man team, basically. <laughs> we, like we, he's he's so integral to us, and it's not just his ability. And obviously, he's a, he's a fantastic player, and I think he might be the best player I've ever seen at Palace. And, and I think there's a few fans that, that think that certainly. But it's his it's his presence in the team. You know, he's he's a talisman to us, and he's a local boy, and he grew up you know around the corner from Sellers, and he means so much to our club. He came through the academy. He just he loves playing for us. You can see it, the passion on his face. Like he just means so much to us. And so keeping him is is really important, not just for on the pitch, but for off it as well. You know, the, the club do a lot of kind of promos for sort of South London and Proud and and he is part of that. So he's very important on and off the pitch. You're right, we didn't win a point without him last season. And when he's on on the pitch, I, I genuinely think he makes everyone else play better because they feel so confident with him. So yeah, what have we got now? What less than twenty four hours to go for the window. I'd be so surprised if he went because I think Palace, if they had let him go, they'd have done it earlier so they could spend the money and get someone in to replace him, even though I think he's pretty irreplaceable. Um, So I don't think he'll go. If he has a good start to the season, you know, maybe someone comes in in January with a really big offer. Palace really want around 100 million for him. I don't think anyone's going to pay that yet. But if he has a good start to the season, maybe that will change. And then next summer, if he has another good season, I could see him going. But... You know, if he if he scores 15 goals this season and gets us into the top 10, then I think everyone will at Palace will shake his hand and wish him the best if he goes next season. I mean, 100 million would pay for your new stand. It'd be about the right amount of money. It'd be amazing, yeah. And I mean, and in this market, really, I know it sounds ridiculous, and I never thought I'd see a Palace player go for that sort of money. But you know, if Richarlison can go to Everton for 50 million, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that Wilf is worth. Yeah, is worth a hundred. He's really priceless to us, to be honest. But the way the market's going, um, I don't think that's that crazy, to be honest. And you know, every season we seem to get more and more 
inflated fees. So, yeah, that'd be lovely money for us. It'd set us up. The new main stand is really integral to progress for us. In an ideal world, Wilfred stay forever. Yeah. You know, he'd play for Palace until he retires. And when you think about it, really, logically, there aren't many places he can go. He won't go anywhere and be the man like he is at Palace. You know, he, he won't go to anywhere in the top six and, and have the team built around him. He won't earn that much money. He's on 110 grand at Palace at the moment. He won't earn that much at many other clubs. The only thing bigger clubs can offer is, is Champions League football. You know, he's not playing for an England place because he's chosen Ivory Coast. Yeah. So there aren't many factors going to a big club that will that could sway him or really benefit him apart from European football, which we can't offer. So if someone like Chelsea came in with 100 million next summer, you know, London club still, so he gets to stay with his family, the big big family boy, then I could see it happen. Is it a successful window then, the fact that you've looked like you've kept Zaha? Because you haven't made too many signings in and only really one move, Coyote, who's really of any kind of money. So were Palace fans not a bit disappointed that you haven't reinforced the squad a bit more? Honestly, I think it all changed in, in 24 hours. I just said, yes, that would have been the case. Before that day, we brought in Coyote and Max Meyer mm. on a free transfer from Schalke. Yeah, great That signing. changed things, really, because that they're both great signing. I think Coyote for 10 million, or, or whatever it is, is a bargain. Yeah. Personally, I think he's a very effective midfielder, and I think if anyone can get the best out of him, it's Roy. And you, obviously, you, you guys know Roy very well. Yeah. Very good at maximising players other people might think are average. Maya's got massive potential. He's only 22. I know yeah. there's attitude uh, rumours and problems at Schalke, and it all ended a bit messy there, but he could be a fantastic signing. We lost Kabai, you know, and then really Maya could be a, a younger Kabai if he if he settles in the Premier League. Um, we lost Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who went back on loan. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen again, unfortunately, even though I know Palace want him. So if if the window closed now and we'd kept Wilf and we'd made these two signings, plus we signed uh, Vincente Guaita, the arguably the second best Spanish keeper mm -hmm. or second best keeper in La Liga last season. He signed for us in January and then had such a good end to the season that Atletico Madrid came in with a 20 million offer or something mm -hmm. ridiculous, which Palace turned down. So to get Guaita and Maya on free transfers is amazing business. And to get Coyote for 10, it's not bad at all, really. If we add, there's rumours we might be getting Jordan Ayew from Swansea. If we add that, I think we're probably doing okay. Yeah, it's not a bad window at all. We've sort of plugged the gaps really. And our squad, the rest of it, you know, keeping Wilf is massive. Keeping Townsend is massive. There's rumours he was going to go, but he's been brilliant for us in the last year or so. You keep those kind of players. Keep Mamasako. There's a rumour he might go, but I don't think he will. We've got a very, very competent Premier League mid-table squad, mm -hmm. which Roy knows very well now. And keeping Roy, really, is, is the other thing. We've had so many managers leave every summer for the last five years. Keeping our manager is integral and keeping someone like him who just knows this club already, you know, and knows what it means to the fans. He's a Croydon boy as well. Yeah, let's, 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 I just yeah. wanted to quickly talk about Roy because, I mean, it's my favourite subject. If I went on Mastermind, <laughs> he'd certainly be in consideration um, <laughs> for me. Fulham fans, you, you won't find one that's got a bad word to say about Roy, of course. Yeah. He, he, as much as last season was great, it was a fantastic run to the playoff final, no one will ever eclipse getting to a European final. Fulham and also yeah. to get us to there from where we were basically being mathematically relegated with with three games to go of the season to do that in two years it is is simply miraculous so you know we love him he understood Fulham he was such a gentleman on and off the pitch and also 
has this ability to, to work with small budgets and get the most out of it. So what, what do Palace fans think of him? I mean, he, he entered Palace last year in a, in a perilous situation. He got you up to 11th and in the end it was all fairly comfortable. I mean, so you must uh, speak of him in high regard as well. Massively, yeah. I mean, I love him personally and I can't speak for all Palace fans, but all the ones I know are massive Roy fans and you forget he's 71 or about to turn 71, but he just doesn't, he exudes the, enthusi the enthusiasm of a younger man. You know, you just don't think he's, he's that old really. Um, he's such a nice guy. You touched on it there. He's such a lovely guy. And I did a lot of press work last year and got to interview him a few times. He's, he's so lovely and he's so well respected. You forget how many people in the game, pretty much every coach now, even worldwide, they all know who Hodgson is. They all respect him. As a man that's kind of earned that right in the last, whatever, 40 years it is of coaching. He knows football. He, he, he knows the basics. He knows how to get the best out of people. And he cares. You know, it's still you can still see that passion comes out of him, even in his twilight years. And again, he's a Croydon boy, you know. And I think he always thought he would manage Palace at some point. Um, I think he played for our youth team or reserve team back right. in the 60s or something like that. Um so it's almost like a homecoming for him coming back, really. And that means a lot as well when you've got someone who understands the area, especially somewhere as passionate as, you know, South London. So all the factors point to, you know, him being the right guy. And, and tactically and stuff like that, he is. You know, he almost it was the perfect position to come in last season because we were doing so badly. If we'd gone down, no one would have, you know, criticised him. It was in such a bad position. But... He just got us back to basics, playing simple stuff, getting the best out of people like Townsend and James MacArthur, who had a brilliant season under him. James Tompkins really thrived. Um, he got the, he got Patrick Van Arnholt was terrible when he first came in, and he absolutely turned him around as well. So he's he's a brilliant, brilliant manager for us, I think. I know because of his age, I don't know how long he's going to stay. You know, he might want to retire, but then you look at him on the touchline, I'm in press conferences and... I wonder if he'll ever retire, to be honest. He's got so much yeah, enthusiasm. So we're really happy to have him at the moment, you know, and to get through a summer without losing a manager as well is massive for us. So, you know what, it's, it's all looking so good for Palace at the moment, keeping Wilf, keeping Roy, but I feel like something bad's going to happen because it's just the Palace way that something ridiculous is going to happen. Roy's going to change his mind and retire, you know, tomorrow or something. But at the moment, it's all looking, it's all looking pretty rosy. Yeah, I think you're going to have to drag uh, Roy away from a, from a football pitch until he literally yeah. cannot manage anymore. <laughs> I think I think he he loves it too much, and I think he's a bit of an obsessive. And yeah, I see him uh, yeah. managing it for a few years yet. So obviously, we we know that Zaha is a massive threat on Saturday to Fulham and, and could be the difference. Uh, but what other Palace players should Fulham fans maybe keep an eye out for? Uh, who could cause us some danger or actually, you know, maybe in defence uh, are going to keep us at bay? Well, Patrick van Arnholt has, has had a very good run towards the end of last season. Uh, Palace, Palace played four at the back, but both the fullbacks, him and, and Aaron Wambasaka, who's our sort of new young starlet that broke through last season, they both push on a lot. And van Arnholt in particular gets down the left and links up with Zaha very well. They got, they got a hashtag I think called PVA and Wilf doing bits, which oh, is gosh. something for the young, something for the young kids, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but he's very effective, and on his day, he can definitely cause problems. So can Andros Townsend, who is naturally a left winger, but sort of plays on the right and cuts inside. And his delivery has been very good in pre-season. And so has Christian Benteke, who who had one of the just most bizarre seasons last year. I mean, he just 
he tried very hard, but he just couldn't score goals. He, he missed, you know, the opt to make these kind of chances stats, and he missed 20 out of 22 big chances last season, which is ridiculous for a 28 million pound striker. Yeah. Um, and he quite he. You know, by the law of averages, he quite simply cannot have another bad season like that. I mean, it'd just be ridiculous. Um, so I expect him to be back to his best. And I went to the the final preseason against game against Toulouse last week, and he looked. He scored a towering header, much like sort of we're used to from him, and yeah. he looked back at it. So I think Benteke will be looking to really prove himself, and I think alongside Wilf, he'll probably be our biggest threat. But again, you know, as with Roy, as we discussed, he gets the best out of people. James McArthur's looked very good in preseason. Um, and Luka Milivojevic is our man in the middle and every now and then steps up and scores penalties. So yeah, we've got threats pen. across the pitch, but really I think it's our front two in, in Zaha and Benteke who will probably cause the most problems. And obviously we haven't played Palace for a while, so you won't have seen too much of Fulham uh, in the past few years, but you might be aware of some of the transfers that have come in. What kind of threat do you think Fulham will pose? Who kind of scares you most from the Fulham team going into Saturday? I think, oh, I think you've made some very smart signings. A lot of money chucked around, but there's some players coming in there with Premier League experience. You know, Schürrle knows this league well. We, we were linked with him, and I'd have been very happy with him. I think he's a very smart signing. Mitrovic, obviously, has played in the Premier League and was very good for you guys last season. The, the player I'm most sort of threatened by, but looking forward to seeing, is Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah. Because, obviously, he's had such a good season for you last year, and... It sounds like he's got the real potential to be an absolute star in the future. And I like seeing, you know, young players really sort of pushing on. And was he 17? Is he 18 yet? Is yeah, he turned 18? 18 over the summer. He's just had his first drink. <laughs> exactly. Well, there you go. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he does in the Premier League because I think he's going to be... Well, I'd, I'd like to see him progress and really sort of fulfil his potential. I get, I get the impression from Fulham will probably look to play... Quite a smart game, I guess. Quite a neat game. Um, but I, I do work with the Fulham fan, and he says that defence is an issue. And I think you've lost a lot of defenders potentially over the summer, so that might be an issue for you guys and one which we could look to hurt. But you've got some big names in there. I think Scherler will cause us problems, and I think Sessegnon, if he has a, a good game, and he plays on the left, doesn't he? Uh, yes, Sessignon. but potentially at the moment we don't have a left-back unless we sign one tomorrow, so Sessegnon might have to play at left-back, which would be a real shame because his best position is kind of as a left-forward, but um, well, be Slav will use him as a left-back if we don't have any alternatives. So you probably that's probably something you want to hold, uh, hold out for. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. Although, it, you know, if he does play left-mid, him against Aaron Wambasaka could be a very interesting battle, actually, yeah. two sort of young, enthusiastic players. Um, so, yeah, I, I am... I'm certainly not going into Saturday's game assuming that Palace will get a win. I think Fulham will make it very hard for us. And that kind of first game, newly promoted team enthusiasm, I think will really, really count for you. I hope that we hit the ground running, but I mean, it's, the Premier League is so hard, I never really take anything for granted. So uh, what do you think the score will be if you could uh, stick your neck out so hard first game of the season and you haven't seen the form of, the, of either two sides? It's basically a lottery, yeah. but go for it anyway. Uh, I'm famously bad at predictions. Yeah. Um, I literally tipped Germany to win the World Cup this summer, so that's how bad <laughs> I am. It was a safe, safe um, bet at the time. I, I know. Um, I think there'll be goals, and Palace have scored a lot of goals in pre-season, so I think we'll score a couple, but I can see Fulham threatening us, so I'm going to go for Fulham 1, Palace 2. Okay, you've gone for a narrow Palace victory. Well, Jim, uh, thank you for giving us a bit of a lowdown on Crystal Palace.
uh, and we'll see you, your lot at Craven Cottage on Saturday. Take it easy, man. Lovely. Thanks for having me. Cheers. No worries. Hello, I'm Breda Hangelin, and you are listening to the Fulhamish Podcast. Okay, well, thank you to Jim for chatting to me yesterday, giving us a bit of lowdown uh, on Crystal Palace, our opponents on Saturday. It's going to be an historic day uh, down at Craven Cottage, our first game back in the Premier League after a four-year absence. It's going to be a fantastic day. I really hope the sun is shining uh, for everyone that's down there because, yeah, it's going to be momentous. And uh, if you are looking for... Or somewhere to have a pre-match or post-match tipple on the day uh, you could definitely do a lot worse than popping down to the old Suffolk Punch which is on the Fulham Palace Road which is where uh, myself, Jack uh, Dom, I don't know if you're I might pop in Arsenal again uh, and lots of the Fulhamish uh, guys will be there uh, in and around the game so uh, do pop in and say hello uh, if you are going past the old Suffolk Punch uh, and also quick reminder to make sure you're part of our Fantasy Premier League league 750 plus players now we really would love to get closer to a thousand it's so going to be that? difficult that's like seven times as many fans will we take to Huddersfield on that Monday night yeah exactly pretty much More, so um, you can find the code uh, if you just have a look on our Twitter page uh, we'll make sure we've posted it there for you to join so if you're doing FPL this season make sure you're in the Fulhamish league I-, I dare say are we the largest Fulham League, apart from the one where you join if you just support Fulham automatically, yeah. I believe we are the largest Fulham league. Yeah, so make sure you get involved. We're gonna need to pull our finger out and get prizes and all the like sorted. But we will. We're, we're gonna we'll get some some good prizes, Ma- yes. manager of the months and things. Yes. So we will sort all that. It's gonna be a lot of fun uh, to be in the FPL team this season. Uh, have you got any Fulham players in your teams, lads? I haven't created my team yet. I'm running out of time. Here. Yeah, you. Really I've been thinking to... of what's the, what's the best name instead of the actual team. Oh, so my name is Eagle Eye Seri. I, I don't know if I could... I, cause the thing is, because you can't like change your team name, so if I do it and I go into a work league, it might be, uh, be inappropriate. I was thinking Gertha Berlin. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> surely that's allowed. I mean, you know, that's not uh, banned, is it? You won't well, get I mean, banned. People no. will look down on you, maybe, yeah. but, you know, like... jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, have you got any Fulham players in your team? I was Cyrus Christie. Really? Yeah. That's left field. It's not really. No, it's more field. right field, mate. Really. Well. Um, it's not really, though, is it? As in, like, as in, a personal preference for Cyrus Christie aside, like Fulham play with attacking fullbacks, and we like getting to the byline and putting down, putting across crosses. I think Christie's final ball is better than Frederick's was, and I think we'll look to you know outlay that way, uh, and I think that he might get you know a couple of assists. Fair enough. I've gone for. Uh, I've got Mitrovic on my team. I also have Mitrovic on my team, and I vice captained him for the Palace game. Vice captained him as well, opposed to. Well, I put Firmino as my actual captain because I think he might bag a goal or two. But, uh, yeah, put Mitrovic in my team. I've gone for Lucas Digne in, in my in my defence as my Dig kind of me, attack, as they say. As, in my attacking Big diggers. Yeah, yeah, big diggers. So, uh, anyway, make sure you join the Fantasy League. I digress. Uh, Fulhamish will be back on Monday looking back at the Crystal Palace game. Uh, all the reaction from that. And, of course, if there are any transfers uh, between the end of this recording... Uh, and the rest of Thursday nights, we will, of course, react to that as well. So enjoy the opening game. Uh, hope to see you down the old stuff at Punch if you're around. It's Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. It's Don Betts, thank you very much. All right. And we'll see you later. Take care. Layers. Toodles. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts.
Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much-needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 A-cast